You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back here on Big Blue View as we are continuing our off-season positional previews. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Nick Filato and Chris Flum. We've done multiple position groups thus far. If you've missed any of those shows, make sure you go check it out. But today is going to be an offensive line show, a discussion with a lot of names. This is a very deep group, and there are going to be a good amount of guys that are going to cut that will not be a part of this Giants organization that will be covered on today's show. Before we get into it, though, folks, hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and head on over to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. So, guys, this offensive line group is already getting some flack despite them not even getting onto the field by some outlets have graded them as not a very good starting unit, and they had some struggles last year, but overall, a pretty young collective group no Kevin Zeitler this year however if you look at the current starting lineup it appears to be Andrew Thomas Shane Lemieux Nick Gates Will Hernandez and Matt Pear so guys just taking a look at this assumptive projective starter list how comfortable are are we with this this group right now because we've we've shared some concerns over the offseason at various bits and pieces of this roster that maybe the interior isn't as good as it could be so the the way I describe it, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. And that's because of Rob Sale, a more stable offensive line room. But the thing that just always kind of pulls me back from the optimism is you're relying on all five of these guys to take the next step forward. We've seen it from Will Hernandez in 2018. Hopefully he can do that. But now he's going to be next to possibly a second year right tackle who was raw coming out of UConn and Nick Gates in his second season. And that's a lot of youth right there. I'm telling you, defensive coordinators are going to really hone in and try to manipulate the protections of this young offensive line that lost their most experienced and stable player in Kevin Zeitler during free agency. So if I were to put it on a scale, the one to 10, I don't know, maybe three right now. And I know that sounds bad and it can easily be higher than that, but you're just projecting five, five, different entities to take that next step. And it's going to come down to coaching. It's going to come down to cohesiveness and all of those things that we hope materialize, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not a given at all. We hope Andrew Thomas maintains what he did in the, in the latter half of last season. We hope Shane Lemieux doesn't get beat right off the line of scrimmage. Like he did a lot in pass protection, good run to run blocker, but not a great pass protector. Nick Gates, he was solid, but we still need more from him. If this team wants to be a playoff team, Will Hernandez been so up and down. I'm actually a little bit more 
optimistic about Will Hernandez just because we've seen it before. And I think this talent is there. It just hasn't been consistent. And then Parrot, that's a total question mark. Looks like he put on some good weight. Hopefully he can um, continue being the solid run blocker that he was in, in certain spurts last year. But pass protection is supposed to be his thing with his feet and his length. And that necessarily didn't really happen at the end of the season. And maybe that was because he contracted COVID and he was dealing with the adverse effects similar to Will Hernandez. But there's just a lot of question marks, man. So I would say three if we're doing a scale to one to 10. Yeah, I really think that's fair. I I think the question with how confident are you in the Giants' offensive line is really a question of how confident are you in their coaching staff? Because the Giants are in a place where they are really, really relying on their coaching staff to coach up five young players. And for, you know, once again, we, we it seems we say this every season, they have a reshuffled offensive line. It's full of young guys, which could be great if they all take that next step Nick was talking about. We have, we've kind of seen this movie before where the Giants are counting on their offensive line coach to really teach and bring the players up to that next level. And it, they've fallen short of it. You know, we've got Andrew Thomas hope, hoping he maintains and takes another step, hoping Shane Lemieux can improve in pass protection, just be a more consistent player. Uh, maybe hopefully put him in better position to use that just country boy strength he has and maybe hopefully not have to move too much. He's not too great at the moving. Uh, Nick Gates, again, hoping he can at least maintain what he showed at the end of last year and then continue to, to build upon it. Can Will Hernandez, if he winds up moving to right guard, how well can he do that? Because I, I'm trying to think back to his tape at UTAP. I don't know if he's ever played right guard. I know Shane Lemieux has never played right guard. So one of those two guys is going to have to learn a new position. And then Matt Pear, like you said, Nick, he is a big question mark. He's got the athleticism. He's got all the physical tools you can ask for. But you know, just how is he going to look on a play-in, play-out every week starter basis and then how is he going to deal with defensive coordinators scheming to attack him uh the stunts the twists blitzes uh other guys finally getting a good long look at his tape to pick out his tendencies you know all that is just a big question mark it's a huge question mark chris and i wanted to bring up something too that i found interesting because i agree shane lemieux athletically there are limitations there right but something that he did better than will hernandez in my opinion was his ability to pull on those counter tray plays that the giants ran so freaking often last year he actually opened his hips really quickly and then would always get to that end man on the line of scrimmage which allowed Caden smith to kind of come in and pick up the most dangerous blocker typically the linebacker the weak side linebacker or the safety coming down into the alley but i'm just wondering why was he able to do that at such a successful rate yet you see him in pass protection sometimes and the athleticism just isn't there it's kind of frustrating to see because he he was better than will hernandez uh, kicking on that specific type of play. I I have no idea. Yeah, I remember back to his tape at Oregon, and I noticed he has a really small just area that he can effectively block. Like, it, he was quick within his range, uh, is what I remember from my notes. But unfortunately, his range is only about two or three yards. And then after that, his foot speed would slow right, way down, and he would just struggle to get from point A to point B. And yeah, I wonder if that it's just, you know, he's like the old Mayockism with 
regards to receivers and running backs, he's quicker than fast. And maybe dealing with having to move laterally more in pass protection or, you know, deal with athletic guys just charging downhill is just that stresses him too much uh, in the speed department. And the short arms don't well, help that, either, that man. That's another thing. And I almost wonder with a you know a guy like Shane Lemieux, how much is that going to impact the type of stuff that they run in terms of their blocking scheme? Because we look at all these other guys. Yes, they're they've been inconsistent. They're young. They're still figuring it out. But I think if we're just being realistic, looking at the group, Lemieux's the one who has the most physical limitations out of any of them. So. Do, do you guys think that's something that's going to be a, a consistent maybe problem throughout the season that they're forced to be limited in what they can run? Because like you're talking about those counters and trays where you're asking him to uh, uh, asking him to pull. Like, yeah, maybe they can run that often, but are they going to be able to run different things because you can't really ask him to get to the second level because he isn't very good at moving upfield? So I would say that from a ru- rushing standpoint, I didn't see it that like I felt like everything kind of came together towards the end of the year from running the football. It, it, for me, with the athletic limitations, it's all about pass protection. It's all about his ability to handle that first initial move because there were times where he anticipated something that didn't happen and he wasn't great at adjusting it. But that was all from a pass protection standpoint. I still think that Jason Garrett's going to employ that inside zone, that duo, and then those power gap type of concepts. And I think Lemieux does well with the pulling, like I said, but I think he's also solid being the pinner. Instead of in a pin pull concept, he's a guy he can block down and seal an edge, use his body and his broad shoulders to kind of seal that and allow the puller to kind of come around him. So from that standpoint, I don't think it's going to hinder the offense all that much. But you're right. I think in order to make it a more effective running game, he may have to be a bit quicker to climb on those deuce or those ace type blocks where it's a combination block. And then you have to ensure that your partner has the has the initial block and then you can transition up to that second level. I don't think it's going to be as effective, but I still don't think it's going to hinder them because we did see progress through the season last year with Shane Lemieux being that left guard as opposed to Will Hernandez. Yeah, I I think we do have to ask just how much COVID impacted Will Hernandez last year at left guard because he, even though he didn't take the step forward in his second year that we expected based on his rookie season, it's not like he was a bad left guard in 2019, but he was he didn't look like the same guy, particularly when the giants were shuffling those different personnel packages on and off the field. Like when they would bring uh, Matt Parrott and Will Hernandez and Alfred Morris on whenever they decided they wanted to run an outside zone scheme or something like that. Yeah. Hernandez just didn't look like the same guy. Now, maybe part of that is for an offensive lineman, just running on field in the middle of a game and then running off again. That that's just weird for them. But you know, yeah. That's, that's something I think to keep an eye on is just what does Will Hernandez look like just post-COVID? <laughs> well, I, I think that that's actually a really good point. And we've brought it up a couple times on this show. I don't know how many other people are, are acknowledging that. I, I do see the, that comment from time to time. It's, it's very fair to the reasoning why Will Hernandez was struggling last year it's like the the asterisk that goes next to a lot of guys seasons in 2020 because of COVID and those who contracted it, just the general circumstances made things difficult, but actually contracting it and being impacted the way that Hernandez potentially was. I mean, it makes sense why they had to limit his playing time in certain parts of the season when he was trying to come back from it. So I, I almost am optimistic for him specifically, as you were saying also earlier, Nick, 
I, I maybe because of what we saw last year and, and those problems he had, I think bouncing back in, in 2021 makes the most sense because there will likely not be any looming COVID issues. Yeah, I remember I did a pretty in-depth analysis for Big Blue View on Will Hernandez's 2019 season, which was inconsistent, as you pointed out. And it did seem like there were times where he was a bit lethargic. And I was like, that doesn't seem to uh, be his, you know, him, because he seems like a very competitively tough type of player. And I didn't necessarily see that in 2020. It was more of just an effectiveness thing. But he had some film, man. There were a couple blocks against Washington. There were a couple blocks against the Rams, two, two games where the uh, – where he actually showed pretty pretty good stuff. Now, there was this one block I remember against Jonathan Allen where it was a scoop block. So he's playing guard, obviously left guard, and there was a one technique on Nick Gates, and he kicks out to the inside shoulder of Jonathan Allen, one of the better defensive linemen in the league, swivels his hips, turns, and then just opens up a gigantic hole in the A-gap. And those are the possibilities that Will Hernandez has. I remember watching that one. I remember there were a couple blocks where he – where there was a miscommunication or a blitz that was not accounted for, whether that be the offensive line's fault or Daniel Jones's fault. Will Hernandez noticed it, pivots off of his inside foot, completely opens his hips, and then just gets enough of the guy to allow Daniel Jones to evade a possible sack and possibly just getting annihilated in the pocket. And he has that hip fluidity, which is something that you don't really think about with Will Hernandez, who's like 330 pounds, but his ability to unlock his hips and turn really, really quickly, it's it's pretty eye-opening, to be honest. And Chris, I'm sure you can attest to this as well. Yeah, definitely. It's surprising to see how well Hernandez can move when he is really on his game because he is built like a fire hydrant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one, yeah. And you know, when he is anchored, he's about as easy to move as a fire hydrant. And he also has the short arms, kind of like a fire hydrant. Uh, but I haven't seen any fire hydrants that have a neck roll like him. So that I, I think that's how you tell them apart. <laughs> that, that is how you tell them apart. But you're right about the anchoring ability too, because there are some times, but it all depends on if he's set and if he handles that initial move and he doesn't give up the half man. Because there are times where people try to bull rush him and he just sinks down. But then there are other times where he tries to punch, he overextends maybe just a little bit too much. And then the defender gets his hands inside and then puts him on skates. And it's like, how are some plays where you're just absolutely incredible anchoring down against good competition and then there are others where you look like you're getting put on skates you're getting pushed backwards you just need to be a little bit more consistent needs to keep that center of gravity nice and low which i feel like he does well the majority of times but still maybe not as consistent as we'd like yeah and it's kind of weird to think that right now will hernandez is the old man on this offensive line and yes nate Solder is still there but at least right now, I don't think we're expecting him to be the starter. You know, right now, among the likely starters, Will Hernandez is the veteran. He's been there Bro, for three years. <laughs> it's insane, Chris. The longest tenured giant right now is Sterling freaking Shepard. <laughs> yeah, that, that- new, new regime, new faces. I mean, that is pretty crazy to say that that Sterling Shepard is the oldest face on this roster. And you know, speaking of an older face, there is one guy in particular who. I think we're a little bit uncertain on where he sits on this roster, referring to Nate Solder. Some people may be thinking he gets cut. I think we've got a different perspective for him. We're going to get to that coming up soon, very shortly. Before we do, though, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Guys, there are so many interesting names in this backup group, and a lot of them are not going to be on this roster. We've got nine counted. We're assuming three backups, two practice squad linemen, maybe a third which is likely not going to happen. And then other than that, we're going to probably see four guys be completely done and away with on this Giants roster. And those names I'm talking about, Nate Solder, Zach Fulton, Jonathan Harrison, Barton Jackson, Kenny Wiggins, Kyle Murphy, Chad Slade, Jake Burton, and Brett Heggie. So first, I, you know, I alluded to before the break, I want to talk about Nate Solder because I, I think some people are just assuming this guy's going to get cut. This guy's not going to be a part of the team. Uh, because of the missing last year because of COVID, his role with the team has effectively been diminished after getting to see Andrew Thomas and Matt Parrott on the field. And then, you know, the other thing too is he has been regressing and has not been playing as well as many anticipated when offered the big contract he was given to leave the Patriots and join the Giants organization. But now here we are. They restructured his deal in the offseason, and it seems like you guys think he's probably going to be sticking around in some sort of a backup sixth lineman type role. It's funny with Nate Solder because some people think he might get cut, and then other people think he's going to start over Matt Parrott. So there's a, <laughs> you know, a lot of opinions about him. I think he's going to be the swing tackle for this team. I think that's actually a solid role to have him in, his veteran presence. I remember when he first came over, he was helping Eric Flowers a lot in, his, in just being a professional. I think that's an undervalued part of just being a professional NFL player is actually how to be a professional with a young offensive line like this. I think a player like Nate Solder is very, very important. It's similar to Zach Fulton, but I've actually seen Nate Solder really take people under his wing before. So I think he's just going to be the swing tackle here. I don't think he's going to beat Parrott to out, at least hopefully not. I think Parrott's going to have the first kick at the can, but I certainly think he's going to make the roster after he re- uh, reconstructed his uh, contract. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same position with that with Nate Solder. I think right now what he brings to the table the most is that veteran experience, that professionalism, kind of a let's say a coach on the field or at least a coach on this and a, a uh, player coach on the sideline a uh, guy in the meeting room who can really help take the young guys under his wing and be somebody you're not holding your breath if he has to come onto the field which i think is also the other reason he hasn't gotten cut and that is kind of a break glass option for the Giants if you know something happens with one of their guards uh for some reason Lemieux isn't working out or Hernandez isn't working out or if there's an injury whatever you know there were I think a lot of people who thought that Andrew Thomas could slide inside and play guard you know he's 
got a good build for it. Yeah, you know, he's obviously an offensive tackle. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going there, but in the event of an emergency, or if just for whatever reason the starting lineup as we project it right now isn't working, they could bring Solder on as that left tackle and then move Thomas inside and hopefully be able to have still a functional offensive line. And the other thing too with, and it's always on the table for a guy like Nate Solder, no one's seen him play in a year and the last we've seen of him wasn't very good. But hypothetically, if you're content with Andrew Thomas and Matt Pierre, you could, and if Nate Solder has a, a just a decent preseason on put some good stuff out there on film a team that undergoes an injury might make a phone call and offer a late pick for a guy like Nate Soldier. So that's also a good advantage to just keeping him around throughout the season because you never know if someone might pick up the phone and say like, hey, we're in desperate need of a tackle. We just need to put somebody out there that has some experience. So that I, you know, I think all that makes sense why it appears he's probably going to be sticking around on this roster. Are the other two linemen that are going to be back with this team, or is it pretty much a guarantee that it's, Jonathan Harrison and Zach Fulton? I wouldn't say it's a guarantee for either. And I and I mainly say that just because I don't know what Kyle Murphy can do right now. You hear some good things, but we haven't seen the film. And I think training camp will be able to glean what we need to uh, to answer that question, to be sure. Same with Chad Slade. I mean, we've seen him on the field a little bit. and He kind of gets dominated and then you just don't see him out there. But it seems like the coaching staff wanted to give him the opportunity at least. And then you have the undrafted guys. But like I think those guys are ultimately probably going to be practice squad individuals. I think Fulton has an inside track because of all the good tape that he had in the past. Granted, last year was abysmal. Hopefully that can change. Harrison, it seems like they like him as well, and he plays center. Just in case something happens in Nick Gates, you need somebody who has center experience. Fulton does have a little bit of experience there, but it's been a little bit since he's played. But if, if you put a gun in my head right now, I'd probably say Fulton and Harrison, but I don't. I think it's going to be a little bit of a battle in training camp, and Kenny Wiggins, Jackson Barton, Kyle Murphy, all these guys, they can possibly compete. It's just I'm not 100% sure where they're at with their development right now. Yeah, I think all of these guys, you know, we'll set Nate Solder aside right now. I think they all have a chance. And, you know, a lot of times in the NFL, that's all you need. If, if you can seize your chance, you can run with it. We've seen that before with, with a bunch of other players. But I think Fulton and Harrison, Harrison particularly, like, like Nick said, he's got that center experience. Uh, he didn't play last year, but he did have uh, 679 snaps played the year before. He was the center for the Jets, which, you know, t- take that as you will. Uh, so I-, I think just having that experience, because it- it's kind of basically him and Kyle Murphy be- to back up Nick Gates at center. So they might air to somebody who-, who has that experience at the pro level and, you know, Joe, you can give us a, at least a little bit of inside background on Murphy, you know, he, your former teammate there. Yeah, but Mur- Murph, the thing with Murph, and I think what might really lend to him right now is a potential uh, competitor for that final spot for that guard center spot. He played left tackle our final year at URI, but before that, he played right tackle. He played. Uh, one of the guard spots, and he also played some center. There were instances where our center went out of a game, and he stepped right in, and he snapped. He also snapped a ton during practice, especially when scouts were coming by. He was snapping. So he's got the ability to play either, and I think that's what's always been a major advantage for him is 
he can do those things. He can play multiple interior spots. He's probably not going to end up anywhere on the outside just because he is on the the shorter side. I think he's like six foot three ish, a little bit under six foot four. Um, but I, I think that that is probably going to like you said, Nick. We're hearing pretty good things. I haven't spoken to him since we wrapped up our pro day stuff, but I've continually heard good things about his progression. Also, have seen a couple clips here and there on on social media. So it looks like he's he's potentially going to be one of the, probably the closer competitors for that final spot. If not, maybe he ends up on the practice squad again and the Giants just have to pray that nobody snatches him up, which it might be better for them to try and get him on the roster rather than let somebody else snatch up a guy that they've been devel- developing since last year. Absolutely. I and mean, you would not want that. And also, you would also hope that his former teammate would be able to spell his last name correctly in the Google Doc. I, miss- that he has I, have, mis- I have misspelled his name for so long, you don't even realize it. <laughs> Chris, you saw I that? I did see that. <laughs> he probably doesn't know how to spell my name. It's okay. Yeah, no, it's, no but I, I totally agree. I, it's going to be a risk. If he goes into training camp, he shows that he is capable of being somewhat of an NFL starter, and the Giants try to sneak him onto the practice squad again because there are a lot of opportunistic general managers out there waiting for teams to do that with young players like this, especially in positions that are hard to develop like the offensive line. So the Giants are going to have a tough decision there if Murphy plays well in preseason, and especially if he plays well in preseason where there's tape that other teams can access. Yeah, and I think that does bring up one other point to make, and that is the Giants' backup offensive lineman, you know, one of those spots might not be on the roster right now. You know, there's going to be 31 other teams cutting a lot of offensive linemen out there, and there are teams that have uh, – no team has great depth on the offensive line, but there are teams out there that have better depth than the Giants. And there are guys who might find themselves on the street thanks to a numbers game. And hopefully the Giants themselves are keeping a close eye on that waiver wire because if they can get an upgrade over Jonathan Harrison or Zach Fulton, manage to keep Murphy and you know have Nate Solder, he's still sitting there off to the side. I haven't forgotten about him. The depth on the offensive line, I think, is something that is really important. And having guys like Murphy who can do a lot, you know, that lets you get away with maybe only having seven offensive linemen active on a game day. And, you know, nobody wants to see an injury on the offensive line because, like I said, not too many teams have really great depth where they can lose two guys on an offensive line. Usually if that happens, you're sunk. You know, it's it's kind of amazing the Chiefs got to the Super Bowl with the injuries they had on their offensive line. But I think and that I think is the, oh. just something to keep track of is, you know, the Giants should be keeping an eye on that waiver wire to boost their depth any which way they can, because, you know, how many of these starters do we want actually want to not see on the field? And then, you know, the last little piece here with Murphy, I just want to throw out there. If you guys recall in the middle of the season, they actually did promote him to the active roster. And I remember I was talking with Ed and he was telling me that some other teams had been sniffing around the practice squad to, you know, maybe potentially bring him on. So like, that's a pretty clear indication that they'll do what they can to keep a guy like Murph around because they know that, he might have needed some more time to develop than the, these other players, but he has that potential to be a really, really strong backup for maybe a few years and then a spot starter if you really need him to be. So, guys, if we were to pitch who we think might be the practice squad guys, let's say we, let's go with two, three if we really want to be generous here, but a bit unlikely. Who do you guys see as those practice squad players? Is it is it going to be uh, um, you know like a Kenny Wiggins and then a Brett Heggie, some of those guys? 
I think Heggie will be. I mean, I've heard good things about Heggie from just people who follow Florida football. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't that great at guard in 2019, but when he switched to center in 2020, he was really, really uh, mentally processed the position from a high uh standpoint which is something that you really need i mean that's why i'm like so like just flabbergasted that nick gates was able to transition from tackle to center in one season that was a truncated offseason and kind of do a really solid job for the giants because that's not an easy thing to do from a mental standpoint but he was able to do it and i've heard good things about heggy from that standpoint so i'm thinking he would i know burton was somebody who played tackle at ucla then he played guard at baylor so he has the the ability to do both, but I think he might be a little bit too small from uh, the arm standpoint and not athletic enough to play tackle in the NFL, but it's something to consider. And then Jackson Barton, somebody who is absolutely gigantic, who they brought in from the Chiefs practice squad last year. So maybe he's somebody that the Giants really have high hopes for. Now, I haven't seen much film on Jackson Barton, so I can't weigh in from that standpoint, but I just following what the Giants are doing. They still on the roster. He could potentially be somebody that they try to sneak on the practice squad if he can't crack uh, the the roster just in general. Because when you have that kind of length, and if he can move, then they may view him as somebody who can fill in if Matt Parrott were to go down. If they just want one of those tackles to just be incredibly long armed, similar to Andrew Thomas as well. Yeah, I think those are both two pretty good picks. Uh, yeah, I noticed the name we haven't said is Chad Slade, but you know he's kind of been around a bit and. He's had his chances, and like like Nick said, he kind of get on the field, get well. You said it, dominated, and then we just wouldn't see him again. So I I kind of wonder if maybe the clock has run out for him, unless he has himself one hell of a camp. So that's it for our discussion here on the Giants' offensive line. We're gonna get on to defense next, I believe. We'll start so- talking about the defensive line. Will probably be that first group. And training camp is right around the corner. We're not too far away as we are venturing now into the month of July. Folks, make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our shows during the offseason and also during the season. A five-star review would be much appreciated. And also head to BigBlueView.com for more amazing Giants content. Talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.